Hello, and welcome to Never a Dull Moment, a talk show and podcast for angels and founders. Ziad of Boston Harbor Angels has fun with co-hosts and guests as they discuss and debate all topics from the world of startups and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the conversation. Now, here they are. Enjoy the show. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So today we're talking about founders, investors, relationships between the two, and what best to discuss that other than specialists in matchmaking, uh, dating apps, Kelly with Talkify, and Adam X more. So let me jump in and ask you the fundamental question. Is our relationships the same in business as in real life, meaning finding a partner for business, to partner in a business, a co-founder, is it the same dynamic? Is it as hard as in real life? I would say that there are a lot of parallels with finding a a partner in business as there are in real life. Um, I think that they are both the people that you spend the majority, um, if not most, the time with in your life. And uh, there's this great saying by Esther Perel, where she says that the quality of your relationships determine the quality of your life. So I think in both regards, it's really important to surround yourself with people um, that add to your overall well-being. And I think that's true for work and that's true for personal relationships too. Tell me who your friends are. I'll tell you who you are. Tell me who's on your cap table. I'll tell you who who you are. (laughs) That's on the business side. So I'm nervous. I'm nervous from that question because I'm a sole founder. So what does that say about me? (laughs) Yeah, well, you should listen to the prior. I couldn't be in a relationship that lasted any. Maybe it means you have a healthy relationship with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I love myself a lot. That's how that works. You should listen to the episode about safes because that's where founders be are on by themselves because they've raised money on safes. That's excellent. So now just to put some context here, Adam, you're part of Talkify. Uh, you had founded S'more and now it's dating uh, extravaganza in terms of possibilities, in terms of the services you guys offer. Let, let's go back to, because my obsession are founders, the challenges, are hiring employees also the same as dating, where you have to think about the same type of parameters? I mean, I would say yes, same thing. I mean, to, to Kelly's point earlier, it's all about the relationships in your life. And I think that When I started S'more, it was my first startup. I had worked for many startups and also larger companies in the dating space and worked with some amazing people. I think that when you're starting a company from the ground up, you need one person to have 10 skills, like really good at 10 different things, and you have to get along with them. That's a needle in a haystack. But uh, I think at S'more, we found six needles in haystacks because we had such a dream team of people who... Almost every single person on our team was an engineer, plus they're all very data analytical, also had a very focused uh, eye to marketing as well as to product. And so when we had challenges or when we were talking about business items, like what features to include in a product, the team of six would sit down and look at a challenge from all vantage points and we'd hash it all out together and by the end of the call, it looked totally different from then when we started the call. And that's because 
of the team that you put together. And everyone needs to spend a lot of time with each other. So they have the personalities. It, it really is a family. I know some founders don't like to say your company is your family, your family's separate. They, you know, they talk about founding teams as teams, like a softball team or a basketball team. To me, my team was always a family. I really cared about them when anything personal was happening in their life. That was really important to me as well. And uh, and they felt supported in that way. So I think you're right. I think employees, same thing as any type of relationship in your life. Um, you need to hire good people that really care, that are disciplined, that have all the skill sets. And it's the hardest part of anyone's job is hiring. And that's where emotional intelligence comes into play, which is a concept that's really complicated to understand uh, the difference between EQ and IQ. And do you guys think about EQ often? Absolutely. Especially as it pertains to dating in the matchmaking space. Um, all of our matchmakers have to have a high degree of emotional intelligence. And that's a requirement upon being a matchmaker. And I think even more so being an employee of Talkify um, to be able to understand relationships and support people through relationships, you have to be able to cater to a number of different people with variety of needs and be able to pick up on that emotionally. Wow. Can you have high EQ and low IQ? I'm sure that that possibility is out there. I would say that our team has a good mix of both. <laughs> yeah. I would say we're high on both because you need, you need to have aptitude. And I think one of the interesting things is, you know, I'm always looking to hire people that love to learn. And when someone is saying, you know, I, I'm doing the same thing over and over again, and I kind of am getting bored. Wonderful. That should never happen, but wonderful. Let's teach you five different new platforms that you can use. Um, let's maybe you want to go to engineering school or you want to go to product school. You want to go to design school. I'm always looking to up level people's skill sets. And so we always hire people that have this curiosity to learn more and really want to um, upgrade their skill sets all the time. Yeah, agreed. And also as, as investors, having high EQ is important because you're picking the right founders, right? At the beginning, there's only one founder, maybe two co-founders, and it's all about people, not about numbers or about uh, specific items. So, okay, so we're talking about the workplace. How about your perception of inclusion? Because that's a concept that we're trying to instill in startup founders early on and to understand inclusion, diversity as they start the business. What does that mean to you in these current days? I mean, this, these are topics that come up and there's there's more complexity as people understand what it really means to have a truly diverse environment. Can you help us understand what it, what a, if someone says, here's my business, it's a diverse environment, what do you expect? I think for it's going to vary uh, differently across organizations. So I think for us, it's particularly unique because we're in the dating industry. And so when we come across these trainings where it's out of the box DEI training, which we have done, I think that that's not sufficient for the type of the organization that we're running because we're dealing with uh, such intricacies and very personal parts of people's lives. So what you get with the training is not going to cover the unique instances that we're we're diving into. And so 
we have, you know, thousands and thousands, I think we're at over 200,000 matches now. And so we have a lot of data points to help us guide um, being able to navigate different types of conversations um, and instances that come up. And so we train our team accordingly based off of, um, you know, not being judgmental, not judging people in any way and making them feel that they are excluded. And a lot of that comes up in terms of our core values as a team. Um, so, you know, first and foremost, we want to have integrity. We care about being warm. We care about being accountable. Um, and then some of the other ones that maybe aren't so particular to this specific answer, but being resourceful, being a visionary and being a team player. Um, so I think that also kind of goes back to your, your question about EQ as well and, and being able to kind of, um, create space for people too. Yeah. Because in the investment world, some people tend to be more comfortable investing in people that look like them or come from the same background or uh, as opposed to really be being blind to race, color, gender, you name it. Uh, uh, so, Adam, what do you think about that? I know that's a big, uh, uh, that was a big focus on S'more. Yeah, I mean, in our industry, most dating apps were founded by heterosexual men. And they design these experiences to favor heterosexual men. And what happened is 75% of dating apps typically are men. And women get harassed. Women feel uncomfortable. They leave the apps. And you're full of an ecosystem of heterosexual men on an, an app that's supposed to be for everyone. And so when I started S'more, we wanted to make sure that we were not building another one of those. That we were coming at the challenge from a very different perspective. And in order to do that, you need to have the foundation of your company needs to be different, which means your people need to be different. So I'm not heterosexual. I'm gay. And, you know, that's important because I am from a marginalized community. I know what it feels to not be accepted on these apps and to feel like it wasn't really designed for me. And we built a team around that that comes from all walks of life. Our first head of marketing, she was from South Africa. We had, you know, very international team. Our first developer was from France. We had uh, our head of operations was from uh, India. Our head of product was from the Philippines, Filipino American. Um, literally every single person looked very different at our company. And it's important because as we think about product, we want to understand how this feature, how this product impacts you. How do you feel about it? Does it make you feel excited? Does it make you feel comfortable? Do you have a problem with the product? And we would have these conversations every Friday at work was started as these are the features that we're looking to create to drive whatever it was engagement or um, higher, um, you know, better onboarding, more engagement, more, higher monetization. And what ended up starting as a product conversation ended up in a relationship conversation. And this happened every Friday. Um, it was really interesting because, and this is a little bit off topic, but one day we started to talk about um, identities on the app and should we have you know, 20, 30, 40 different types of identities. If you have, if you identify as more than one type of thing as part of the gay community, that's very standard on most apps. And we started the conversation as what kind of feature should we put into S'more? And we ended up talking about the concept of masculinity. And our head of marketing at the time said, well, I like really masculine men. And I said, well, what does that mean? And she says, well, you know, I think about this. You can't see me because you don't hear my voice, but I think of a big guy and I think of, <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he's like big muscle and he, like he's six foot two and he's all these different things. And I said, so are you saying that if the guy is not 
six foot two and all these muscles, he's not masculine. And it turns out that she wasn't really interested in a masculine guy. She wanted a protector. She wanted to feel like someone supported her and had her back. And so it's interesting because we throw around all these concepts and, and as I'm coming into Talkify, I'm auditing a lot of these conversations that our matchmakers are having. I'm hearing clients use the same terminology. I want a masculine guy. I want this guy to be you know, big and strong and carry me up the stairs. And that's how they start. And by the end, they just want compatibility. They want a protector. And so it's really talking them through these conversations and understanding what they truly want. On a dating app, you don't get that. You don't, you're not able to have that same dialogue and break it down. And in the matchmaking world, you are, which allows us to be much more successful in the matches that we make versus any dating app that I've ever seen. And I've been in the industry for 12 years. I've seen a lot. So, so just backtrack two seconds. What's the difference between matchmaking and dating app? Yeah. So a matchmaker is, well, I think let Kelly decide. She, she can define the matchmaker part for you. I'll tell you, a dating app tries to figure out from a technology standpoint, what are going to be the most compatible matches for you? And we're pulling all these different data points. And it's really a way of filtering options for you to see and for you to make your own decisions. And that leaves a lot of the work in the hands of the user. And that's why they're swiping for you know five or six years on these apps because they're not doing very much work. It's really about swiping and it's fun to do, but you don't really solve for compatibility. So now I'll start going to Kelly. Thanks, Adam. And I'll add to that too is uh, when you mentioned that it's it's designed for you to self-swipe and kind of be in the driver's seat there, there are also limitations around that in the way that the technology works. So you actually can't influence the algorithm uh, necessarily in a way that is optimal for you. So there are still some limitations there. What we do in matchmaking is we leverage the best parts of the technology um, and the collaborative filtering that they do. And on top of that, we layer the human component. So the matchmaker is the one who is uh, filtering through these nuances of information, like the, in the example that Adam gave, where you can't pick up on that in technology. And it requires iterative conversations to really fine tune and identify what it is that people are really looking for. Because what we find is that 99.9% .9 of the time when people come in the door and you fill out a profile that what you say you want and what you're actually looking for and need in a partner changes after date one. And so that conversation and that fine tuning is required to get to a successful relationship. Wow. And you guys are very successful at it, that we know. And the, um, other, the other thing I would say is in matchmaking, the intentionality is through the roof. People are are paying money and much more than they would pay on a dating app because they're putting their money where their mouth is. They're saying, I really want to find love and I'm paying you to help me find love. Um, and that's really different than being on a free app where the intentions, someone may say they're looking for love, but somehow they've been on these apps for six years and only have had casual encounters because you're dangling candy in front of someone and that's just how those apps function. When you use a matchmaker, you're really looking to find, in many cases, a life partner, sometimes just amazing dates, meet amazing quality people. And you know, when we talk about quality, it's completely different. Everyone who uses a matchmaking service, quality is extremely high for, nine, I would say, almost everyone. On dating apps, you don't know. It's kind of a crapshoot.
Yeah. Um, also, in we're service, so it's not just a match that you're getting. What ends up happening is that after the date happens, you get feedback about how it went. So you kind of get this 360 review of the entire process, what you said you want, that conversation with the matchmaker, the date, and then you get to hear what the other person thought about you. And that doesn't happen on the dating apps. There's a lot of poor dating behavior that's perpetuated, um, you know, like ghosting, like breadcrumbing, um, and undesired behavior that happens that leaves people feeling lonelier and more rejected in the whole dating experience. So we we kind of take out that noise in the journey um, and are able to hold people more accountable because um, we are having conversations with both parties and seeing where they're at and making sure that their intentions are aligned. Wow. Can't we do something similar to match investors and founders? I mean, that should that should be a natural fit where if you find a, a matchmaker for investors and he, here's the founder, uh, a great fit. Okay, so let's... Let's move on to the whole world of dating uh, apps, matchmaking. Is it evolving or has it been uh, fairly stagnant? How do you see it? I mean, we see apps that are so niche. At the same time, we hear there's app fatigue. Where's the industry? Well, I can talk about a bit about the um, the dating app world and, and maybe Kelly can chime in on how the matchmaking world is evolving. So in terms of dating apps, you know, when we started S'more, we didn't see much evolution in the space. You know, a huge part of the industry, something like 70% in the U.S., is controlled by a few companies. Um, and there was no need for evolution because they controlled it all. They made a lot of money on very simple features that people were willing to pay for. And also the uh, the benchmarks were very low. On some of these apps, you don't even need a photo and you can start swiping. And so how are you supposed to find love if you're not required to do any work? And you think that you were relation, you want a relationship. If you're not willing to work for the relationship, I'm scared of some of these people being in a relationship because that's the hardest part. Finding the person you think is the hardest part, but staying in the relationship and making it successful is really the hardest part. And so what I found, you know, after spending over a decade in the industry is that so many of these apps are just overly superficial. And this new generation of Gen Zers, they weren't dating the same way. They didn't find it exciting to swipe on, you know, profiles of good looking people on Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, on and many of these other apps. Some people did, um, but they, you can see good looking people on any social site um, and user behaviors were changing dramatically. We felt like we should be building a more intentional product where the the real part of the, the product or the main goal of the product was to get people talking. What I discovered was most people on these dating products, there's not a lot of chatting for as much swiping that happens. There's less, fewer matches, and then even fewer conversations. So we created a chat product. So in order for you to be able to engage on our product with a person, you had to have a conversation. And then every time you send and receive a message, you could see a little bit more of the person. So we gamified the process in effort to get you chatting with more people. Being in more conversations gets you closer to a relationship. And we knew that this feature worked really well because the engagement on our app was much higher than comparable apps. We also saw in 2022... 
Um, and I'm going to name drop a couple apps here because these are just facts. Um, both Tinder and Bumble borrowed a feature that we created, which is this chat to reveal feature. So Bumble did a partnership with Ted Lasso. Uh, Ted Lasso last season had an app called Banter. And Banter was you anonymously were chatting with people that you could not see. And when you both gave a thumbs up to the conversation, then it revealed their photos. And Tinder also released a very similar feature. So S'more, even though we were a startup, we ushered in an entirely new mechanic, which was now adopted by the two biggest dating apps in the world. And we were very excited by this. So I think that the typical dating apps aren't really enjoyed by Gen Zers. I don't think there is a cool Gen Z dating product that exists today. So I'm excited to see what that could be. But I also feel like, you know, as Talkify is now a tech company with the acquisition of S'more and creating its own mobile product, I think we're also trying to make the concept of matchmaking accessible to way more generations and way more people so that they can explore what matchmaking even means. Because most people have never, don't know a friend who's used it before. It feels a little bit taboo. Um, and it's just because there's not a lot of information out there, but we're here to make this concept more mainstream. And then Kelly can, can talk a little bit. Like, and full disclosure, because we were investors in S'mores, now we're investors in Talkify. So, um, so yeah, the, so the matchmaking world, I'm fascinating more by the matchmaking world than the apps because there is a, a confidant, like a person that helps you. You can call for feedback. They I wonder, do they be, do you become friend with your matchmaker? And then if you're done, you found a date. Now you're like, I miss my advisor. <laughs> Can't you have an, that advisor be ongoing? Uh, you bring up a great point. And that's exactly how we're thinking about the matchmaking space. And it's not just matchmaking because that's just one part of the journey. And what you're talking about is there's this relationship maintenance piece. So there's a relationship that the person has built with their matchmaker um, and also leverage them to be able to build a stronger relationship with the person that they are now partnered with. And so it just doesn't end at the, the meet. There's the maintenance of the relationship, too. So one of the um, things that we've been talking about at Talkify is what we're calling relationship wellness. And one of the pieces of research that we come back to is there's this Harvard study on adult development. And. It's the longest longitudinal study ever on adult life that explored um, what contributes to leading ha happy and healthy lives. And what they found in this 80 years of research was that how happy we are in our relationships has a powerful influence on our health and overall wellness. And we've seen this in the relationships that we've created at Talkify, that it's not just about introducing people to the right person, but ensuring that they're able to maintain these relationships that ultimately have a an overall impact on their well-being. And so we are working on and creating adjacent services within our platform to be able to help people um, prioritize their overall relationship wellness outside of just the matchmaking component. Um, so we're expanding into other services, um, you know, which is another reason why the the S'more and Talkify partnership was so attractive is because this is something that we had been talking about for a year. Um, so I think that it's much bigger than just matchmaking. And, um, you know, as we both mentioned on the on the podcast already, that there's such a fatigue with the dating app experience right now. So I think people are really looking for something more. And I think that even though matchmaking has been around forever and far longer than, than the dating apps, that it's still this 
unknown and uncharted territory for a lot of people. So it's really about educating them and familiarizing them with what exactly matchmaking is. Getting Adam on your team is like the afterburner on planes. So (laughs) this is going to be very exciting moving forward. And so the ultimate, what's this, what's the, the, the index of success in matchmaking? How long the relationship lasts, uh, that it ends up in marriage? What's, what are your indicators of success? Yeah, so I think it varies depending on who you're talking to. Success can mean something different for everybody. So there's no real standardized answer. The way that we do measure internally, because of course you have to have a metric that you're tracking, um, is that we, after the date happens, we want to know if people want to see each other again romantically. And so we do track the relationship thereafter. But just because there's longevity in a relationship does not necessarily mean that that is success. And so we were really focused on the quality of it. Um, And sometimes that might look like for someone who has a bit of dating anxiety, um, getting more comfortable on dates and um, and be feeling a little bit more confident in themselves and that changing their experience and their, their relationship and how they interact with other people in the world. Um, and then ultimately, for most people, it is to get into a relationship. Um, but there can be various stages along the way that success can look different for different people. And what about food? So my thing is that if you want to get to know a founder, if you're an investor, go have a meal with that person. You you get to know so much about someone if you're at a restaurant or, or at a house where when you're eating. Does food come into play? And I love food, so I always want to talk somehow about food. Yeah, I mean, probably yes. I think from an investor standpoint, you know, s'more, we, we literally created our company. We're a COVID company. We, we launched our product in January. COVID started in February. So we never really met anyone. Yeah, there's <laughs> so no food. From the beginning, <laughs> always been COVID. Um, some of our investors, we had small meetings with them, but mostly it was virtual. And we didn't have virtual meals, but I kind of now wish we did um, because I would have ordered them food and we could have, you know, chat on, chatted on, on a Zoom call. I think from a dating standpoint, it's also changed. It's evolved. I, I would say before COVID, probably the standard was let's go out, let's grab a coffee, let's grab a meal. But I think today with COVID, there's so many different ways of establishing who a person is through different ways of going on dates. Uh, what we saw during COVID on the S'more app, we had this video chat functionality, which was you were chat, you're chatting with someone that was blurred. And after five minutes, if you were comfortable with the conversation, both images would unblur and you can you know, be in your home chatting. Well, some of our users took it to the next level because in New York City, I don't know if you guys remember this, but... The apartment buildings were locked down, which means for six months, if you did not live in that apartment building, you could not get into the apartment building. And so people were, you know, lonely and they didn't know what to do. So people were having uh, FaceTime bubble baths and they were like on their <laughs> sixth or seventh date and they were like, doing crazy things. They ordered each other dinner um, and they took it to the next level, I think. Now we're seeing a lot of uh, singles want to go on activity dates. I think we don't want to be stuck just sitting at a table. We want to see how people move. We want to see how they're vulnerable. If they're, you know, jogging, running, mountain climbing. And I think it's so cool to, especially young people, to see them not want to just do a traditional dinner date, but also want to go out and experience the world yeah. with someone else. Well, Kelly, Kelly, you were mentioning 
a date, the matchmaker. All I could think about is at the restaurant because that's the, the old school way of thinking about a date. Absolutely. It can be anything from going on a walk in a park to a hike to an activity to a drink, um, you name it. Well, this was so fantastic. You two are going to take the industry by storm. Well, Talkify is already big. Adam, so excited to see you at Talkify. So if you want to say a few words about uh, yourselves and what you're uh, what you're doing these days. Uh, my name is Kelly Ammerman. I am the CEO of Talkify, and I am solely focused on the business at the moment and ensuring that it continues to stay the number one matchmaker in the United States and continue to grow and help people find love. Number one matchmaker in the United States. Wow. That's exciting. Adam? Blowing your mind. Um, so I am the original, I'm the founder of S'more, which is the world's first anti-superficial dating app, now part of Talkify. Um, at Talkify, I'm the managing director and focused on a couple of things right now, um, coaching, recruiting, content, and really helping to elevate the brand, uh, grow its awareness uh, in the US and abroad, and scaling the business. And we're really excited about it. Excellent. So glad to have you. Maybe one day we'll have a matchmaker investor founders and uh, hope to see you soon. Bye. Well, I will tell you, I am also a matchmaker as well. So you technically have one on the call. Oh, you do? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll do another episode just to discuss how to pick the right founder. Excellent. That sounds great. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. Thank you for listening to Never a Dull Moment. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And don't forget to rate and review us. Until next time, have a great day.